Well, good evening, and thank you for joining us again. Uh, my name is David Murray. This is Zeal for Your House. I'm joined with Dorothy Crothers, um, and welcome to another broadcast. Um, tonight's Friday. I think it's the 22nd, um, and we're going to be talking about uh, doorways and uh, and understanding how to access uh, different doorways in the kingdom and what that means. But before I do, I'd like to say uh, good evening, Dorothy. How are you? I'm doing well. Actually, my I want to thank everyone for all the prayers that they said for me for my health. Cause I pain level from that lumbar part anyway. Pressing on the sciatic nerve is way down. It's like negligible. Mm. So that's awesome, that Dorothea. Yeah. Yeah, I know. There's been a lot of people that have been praying for you. I have been. Um, I have been praying and speaking life into your body too. And uh, didn't you say? Did you? I mean, if you don't share, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but if you if you want to share, but didn't you say you actually felt at some point uh, during the evening you actually felt something particular in the lower part of your back? Yes, it felt. I have. Um, they call it a protruded disc. I mean, overall, the whole spine has degenerative disc disease, but there's one spot in the lumbar section that has has what they call a protruded disc. And it felt like someone was, I don't know, you'd have to look at a picture of what a protruded disc is. It's sort of like that stuff that's supposed to keep it cushiony starts bulging out. And I was awakened by, it felt like a giant hand was just trying to squeeze that disc back together. So back to where it belongs. Yes. And then the pain started backing off from there. I don't know how many people are familiar with sciatic pain when that nerve gets pushed on. It goes all the way down your leg and, you know, you get pain everywhere and you go, is that pain, is that nerve good for anything or what other than pain, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I've experienced that and that's uh, that's no joke. That is nothing that gets you motivated to start digging into health and healing when you have sciatic pain that flares up, that's for sure. So, yeah, cool. like I said, I hit three stores today, so that's good for me. That's great, Dorothy. And I'm going to be continuing to just stand and speaking life in your body and releasing healing and his power into you. And I know there's many others that are that are, are praying um, and commanding health and healing into your body. So that's a great praise report of progress for your body. So from in agreement with, with Dorothy saying thank you to all um, that have been lifting her up in prayer. Dorothy is such a... And sorry, Dorothy, but I'm I'm just going to, you know, give honor to you as a member of the body as we're meant to. Dorothy is um is is the heart behind um the ability for, for those of us that have a place to speak here at Blog Talk Radio. And um this is a result of her faithfulness, humility and and her service and sacrifice um uh, before the Lord to the body of Christ um that allows for this this form and, and this this broadcast. So so, Dorothy, thank you for your obedience and for your love to the body of Christ. Oh, everyone's welcome. It's, it's a well, labor tonight. of love, absolutely. Oh, I know there's labor in it. <laughs> I know this isn't working it, Dorothy. <laughs> I know that. So thank you very much. So uh, tonight we're going to be understanding what we're talking about uh uh, this evening is understanding the doorways to greater communion. Um, what does that mean exactly? Um, 
what the Lord has laid upon my heart that I want to share is we've been systematically discussing things at the foundation of righteousness, understanding that we don't earn God's love, that we have his love, um, that we died to the carnal mind, that we were given in the mind of Christ. And from that position, we can begin engaging and accessing the realm of the spirit, interaction with the Lord, interaction with the spirit of God that lives inside of us, interaction with his kingdom, that we are spirit beings that have the mind of Christ and that dwell in a physical temple. And so all this stuff dovetails and ties in together. Um, I discuss all these things. Um, The teachings dovetail onto a blog that I do have. It's dwmurray.com, dwmurray.com. For those of you that that have asked and continue to reach out to me, uh, yes, you can check out that website, and there's there's other information and other teachings and, and insights that I share humbly as the Lord leads on, on that website. Um, uh, so getting into understanding the doorways to great communion, this is really going to be an introduction. Uh, what we're going to talk about tonight basically are what are doorways and how do we pass through them or how we access them. Um, and then from there, what we're going to carry on in the subsequent weeks is what's, what's really on my heart is to share how we access the doorway or said another way, how we enter into and experience intimacy with our Heavenly Father, with the Holy Spirit and with the Lord Jesus Christ, how we access that, how we enter into deeper levels of spiritual intimacy, tangible intimacy. But before we do that, I want to lay a foundation of what it is, what are doorways. Um, So doorways um, is a term. It's an expression. It's found all throughout the scriptures. I'm going to give you some examples of them. It's in there much more than you realize. Um, Doorways are keys or principles in his word that if we choose to align ourselves with, they, these keys or principles act as a doorway to interact in his kingdom or to interact into the realm of the spirit. God is spirit, and we, we worship him, we interact, we commune with him in spirit. But the other part of that verse is in truth. We are spirit beings, so we do not interact in mind. We interact in spirit, and our spirit gives understanding to our mind That's part A. The other part of it is that we can attempt to interact in spirit, but if our mind is not in submission, if we're not walking in truth about the area we are attempting to engage the kingdom of God with, we're going to have very skewed and perverted and twisted results. And that's where a lot of um, dreams and visions and insights and, and, and perceived hearing the leading of the Holy Spirit gets perverted and twisted or just gets gunked up and the frequency um, gets muddled. Because to the degree that we're walking in the mind of Christ is the degree that we can accurately engage the spirit realm because we have to engage him in spirit and in truth. And so that will, just understanding that principle will clear up so much unnecessary confusion that has gone out um, in the body of Christ. And there's this idea that, that hearing his voice uh, and understanding or recognizing how he leads us is difficult and elusive. It is not at all. It is is not at all. It's meant to be simple. He is not a hidden God. Um, We live in the age where the Holy Spirit has come upon the earth and dwells inside 
the child of God, the person who has accepted Christ as a Savior. We have been given the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, the Scriptures say, and it is not meant to be difficult. The Scriptures say in this dispensation, in the age, the church age, the age of the body of Christ, having the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, that the mysteries have been revealed in these end times. Remember, the Bible is progressive revelation. So anytime we're, we're going under the, going to, the, to quote a scripture from the Old Testament, right, the scriptures say that all scripture is profitable and is used for reproof and correction and for teaching profitability and righteousness. We take the principles of God's nature from the Old Testament and we apply them to who we are as redeemed, spirit-filled children of God. We do not go to the Old Testament go back under an old covenant and make the New Testament shoehorn into the Old Testament, which were types and shadows, pictures and mysteries that are revealed to us in this age. The Bible is progressive revelation. If we would understand that and choose to agree with the word of God that says that, um, again, it would, it would dispel so much confusion and false doctrine and, and half-truths that get perpetuated in the body of Christ, all sorts of weird things, just, you know, all sorts of weird things. Um, so a, a quick question I had, there's two, two questions that I'll address that, again, is a common theme um, that keeps coming up. Um, one of them is anointing. How do we get the anointing? I hear that asked to me a lot. David, when you speak, um, there's an anointing that's upon you. I hear, uh, I hear anointing, and um, how do I get that? Um, number one, respectfully and in love, no, you do not hear anointing. Um, the scriptures say in the new covenant, there is now for the child of God, all of us have an anointing that abides. And um, one of these days I'll, I will do um, another teaching on anointing, on all the words that are used for anointing in the Old Testament and New Testament. The word anointing means to set aside or consecrate or dedicate to the Lord. So when someone says, well, someone was anointed, it was they were, in the Old Testament, set aside for a purpose that God intended to use them in and for. So when David was anointed with oil, it was an outward demonstration of a spiritual reality that took place. That spiritual reality was God was setting aside young David to become king. He was anointing or consecrating or dedicating or sanctifying, setting apart. These are all synonyms. He was being set apart for a purpose within his Old Testament body. Okay? In the New Testament, the scriptures say we have an anointing that abides. We have a consecration that abides because we have the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and go. The difference is, is that to the degree we engage the kingdom of heaven, to the degree that we engage the spirit of God inside of us, is the degree that the Holy Spirit, the kingdom power, the kingdom authority, the, the kingdom life, all of the attributes of the Holy Spirit are free to flow through us. So when we hear someone and they, we are perceiving the presence of God, we perceive truth, we're being ministered to, um, something just, it just speaks deeply to us or touches us. What we are enjoying is communion spirit to spirit. And the more that we engage the Lord, 
the more that we continually more and more stand in agreement with him and the, the kingdom is permitted to just flow freely through us. That's why Jesus said, from within you will come rivers of life. It says, whoever receives me will never thirst again. Okay, we'll never thirst for communion because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Then there are rivers of life that proceed from within us. That has to do with engaging the spirit realm. To the degree we engage his kingdom is a degree that the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, will flow through us. And that's the degree we will see the manifestations of the Holy Spirit moving through us. Okay, so I just want to clear that up. You know, we don't go searching. We don't need to search for something to fall upon us. I'm absolutely shocked and aboard at how often I hear that, that old covenant mentality. And the old covenant, nobody had the Holy Spirit inside of them. There were only select individuals that were, that were given the Holy Spirit. We, we, we do not model the New Testament church based upon an old, outdated covenant that the scriptures say is not nearly as good as the covenant we are in now. So I just want to clear that up. We all have an anointing that abides, and the more that we engage the realm of the Holy Spirit, we engage him in holiness, we engage him in truth, we choose to sanctify our thoughts. And again, none of this is works. None of this is to try to earn his love. But the more we want to um, participate with the kingdom and experience the kingdom, we'll be some pretty good motivators for living a life consecrated to him, to doing the things that please him, to do the things that sow to the spirit so that we can reap the spirit through us and in us and and communing with him. So I, I wanted to address that. I know that was kind of quick. You can look those verses up. You will not see anywhere in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit upon the church, except on the day of Pentecost, which was the birth of the church. When the Holy Spirit left heaven and entered into the, the believers, the children of God who accepted Christ, that was the initiation of the new covenant. The Holy Spirit has been on the earth living inside those that believe Christ as Savior, that is the initiation of the anointing that abides. The anointing does not fall upon a person and then lift and go somewhere and go to another person. That's old covenant. We, we, we need to transition away from that. If we want to move in what we perceive as the quote-unquote anointing, all it is is we just engage the realm of the kingdom. We worship him in spirit and in truth and his mind, his thoughts, his intentions, his power, his love, his manifestation flows through us more and more and more. That's how the first century church lived. If we read the book of Acts, that's what is going on. You don't ever see anywhere something falls and then lifts, falls and then lifts. Um, anyway, so, so that's a little bit of, uh, about anointing that I wanted to address. So let's get into the meat of it, understanding doorways to, to greater communion. Two points we're going to talk about. What are doorways and how we pass through them. All right, so we just said, so, so doorways, I'm going to say, they can be described as a gateway. I've heard that's like the, the, the common term now is a gateway. Um, I've heard people refer to them as portals. Um, a lot of people um, may not like that because they say there's a new age connotation. Well, they just robbed something that's just in the Bible. A portal is just a doorway. Um, it's just an access point, a door, a gate, a gateway, a doorway, a portal, an opening, a ladder, um, these are just expressions that really define 
principles in the word that when we align ourselves to act as access points that allow us to engage the presence of the kingdom of God that is within us. Revelations 3.8, Jesus speaking says, I know all the things you do, speaking to the, um, to the church in Revelations 3. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Okay, this doorway that Jesus is talking about is the doorway to salvation. Nothing can close the door of our salvation but us. Okay, so for those of you that have been beat up, can Satan rob my salvation? Can I, can, will God take away my salvation? Um, that's not how it works. Revelation is 3.8. I have opened a door for you that no one can close. That's the doorway of salvation. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and mighty things you do not know. Now, the word mighty in Jeremiah 33.3 is a Hebrew word. It's botsar, and it, the definition is to make inaccessible, to be fortified or hidden. That's a very powerful word in the context of this. I'll read it again, Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and inaccessible, fortified, hidden things you do not know. There are things that cannot be found or accessed. The only way is by us calling to him, to seeking him. So calling to him is a doorway to unsearchable things of the kingdom. This is an example of a doorway to wisdom. Okay, this is an access point. How do we walk in wisdom? Jeremiah 33.3 is one of several verses that tells you how. You call out to him. We cry out to him. Now, that's balanced out by other scriptures. But what that does is, is it, it takes things that are inaccessible, cannot be found or searched. They are hidden in the kingdom. And they will only be revealed through sincere hearts that seek to worship him and commune in spirit and in truth. This is an example of how we access the doorway that takes us to wisdom. Isaiah 22 22. I will give him the keys to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. When he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. No one will be able to open them. And that's type and shadow of um, the ministry of Jesus Christ. Acts 14.27. Just giving you different examples, guys, of, of, of how doorways are used. Some of them are mentioned by name, and some of them we understand them by what the scriptures are really saying. Acts 14.27. Upon arriving to Antioch, this is Luke speaking about him and Paul. They called the church together and reported everything God had done to them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles too. Okay, that's Acts 14, 27. 2 Corinthians 2, 12 says, When I came to the city of Troas to preach the good news of Christ, the Lord opened a door of opportunity for me. Acts 16, 6. Paul and Silas, Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at the time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north to the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. We could do a whole teaching just on this verse. This is an example of when the Lord sovereignly 
closes a door. Now, Isaiah 22 says Jesus will open and close doors that no one could open and shut apart from him. This is an example of that in action in the, in the prophecy of Isaiah 22 being seen in action in Acts 16.6. The Lord sovereignly closed the door. It prevented them from heading to a certain region. Now, here's what's really great, guys, that, that I really want us to hone in on. Notice how Luke was spiritually mature and developed enough to understand it was the Lord that closed those doors, not Satan. Many times a door closes and we get on our prayer chain or we get upon whoever we know and in a frantic, fearful mess, we begin asking for everybody to pray against or bind or lose something because a door has either opened or shut when what we really need to do is get before the Lord and say, Lord, are you opening or closing this door? That spiritual discernment that comes, the more that we spend time with him, the more that we develop our intimacy with him. We cross-reference that to 1 Thessalonians 2.18, where Paul specifically states it was Satan that hindered them from entering a region. That's spiritual maturity, and that is not difficult. That comes by spending time in the presence of the Lord. There are doors that the Lord will close and that there are doors that, that Satan will attempt to close. And we need to understand what God is doing in our lives because many times we could just be praying and spinning our wheels because we're not discerning what God is trying to do in our life. That's why true fellowship in the body of Christ is so important because we are one body with many parts, many members, and there are, there are those of us that have different calls, different functions, different giftings, different insights. And so when the body of Christ comes together and we seek the Lord Jesus Christ, as we organically, naturally fellowship and get to know each other, get to develop our giftings and our abilities by the Holy Spirit and in the Holy Spirit, we help each other, we sharpen each other. Uh, and I have, <laughs> I've had people reach out to me and say, you know, David, I want to get to the point where I'm like you, where I, you know, I could just stand on my own. And I hear the heart of that. I understand, believe the heart of that. When many of you are sharing, um, there were times when I was petrified to think that my counsel, what will happen when they die? You know, when I was in my late teens, early twenties, I was like, well, how, how will I, what will I do if I don't have my counsel? And, and I've gotten to a place where, I understand God's faithful and I, and I can hear his voice, but um, I am blessed beyond words by the fellowship that I am a part of, um, the, the fellowship that I meet with that gathers together to see Christ are an immense blessing to me. Iron sharpens iron, and, and um, I, I just draw so much strength from the different giftings and callings and, and, and um, ministry traits and functions that flow freely through our fellowship. And, and so that's why I encourage everybody, if, if you're out of, if you've removed yourself from a church gathering because of whatever reasons, you just, um, you believe it's not biblical, you believe you're not being fed, you're not interacting, you're not sharing, find one person that can agree with you to see Christ and go from there. Find some way to fellowship, to seek Christ. And, um, you know, I've been blessed by people reaching out to me more and more all across the country that are, that are doing that, small groups, and I'm able to, um, in a small way, help with that. And I, I just encourage all of you, 
no matter where you fellowship or whether you you um, whatever you do, and however your fellowship looks now or the lack of it, just find just one person, one or two people that you can get together with to seek Christ. That is corporate fellowship. That is biblical koinonia, and um, it will propel you. Uh, into deeper realms in the kingdom as you set your eyes on Christ and rest in your righteousness in him. So um, I just wanted to share that. <clears throat> okay. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and oh, come in and dine with him and he with me. The doorway mentioned here is the doorway to intimacy. This, in the next several weeks, is what we're going to be camping out on, the doorway to intimacy. How do we open that door that Jesus says he is knocking on? The body of Christ is teaching, you got to keep, you keep knocking. We go to the, to the, <laughs> we go to the parable of the unjust judge or the parable of the midnight hour. The person keeps keep knocking on that door, knocking on the door. Eventually, he'll open it up. Um, that is misunderstanding the principle of that parable, parable, there's a difference between a parable and an allegory. An allegory, everything means something. Uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis, that's an allegory. Everything means something. Parables are meant to drive home one point. The parable of the person knocking and keep on knocking, the judge that would not get up, is about persistence in the kingdom. Standing in faith when you don't see in the natural realm the end result, the end product of which you are standing in faith claiming for the kingdom of God. That is the principle of that parable. It's not that you knock on the door of God's heart and eventually he's going to turn his back and answer you. That is not what that parable is about. Um, it's about steadfastness. The reality is, is our God is knocking on the door of every one of our hearts. And we open that doorway to intimacy through applying certain key principles, certain attitudes. We come into alignment with his kingdom, and that's what we're going to be talking about. That's what we're going to be getting into. But for now, we're just laying a foundation tonight. Um, so these are some doorways. These are examples of doorways or doors in the word of God. Some people call them gateways, portals, doors, access points. It's all the same thing. It's nothing kooky. It's just... Um, understanding what they are. They're ways in which we engage spirit to spirit with our Heavenly Father, with the Lord Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit. So part two, how do we pass through them? We pass through them basically by applying three uh, principles. One is agreement with his word. The second is by sowing. And the third is steadfastness. So the first one, how we pass through them by agreeing with his word. This is faith. Okay, the word faith means to believe. We have to come in agreement with his word. Amos 3.3, which you guys have heard me quote a lot, do two walk together unless they are agreed to do so. We must come into agreement with his word, with his principles on any subject, if we're going to walk with him. Romans uh, 10, 17 says, consequently, faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Um, I just love that verse. Belief comes by hearing 
the word of Jesus Christ. That's how faith comes. We cannot be in agreement. Even if we possess the mind of Christ, we can't access it if we're ignorant to what his truth says. Um, we must be transformed. We, as we, as the more that we understand his nature and come into alignment with his word, agreement with his word, um, our belief system, the mind of Christ that we possess gets stronger and stronger. We cannot walk with him in an area that we are ignorant. So if we agree and study the word on any matter and, re- and agree with him, that's how faith is released. That's, how we, uh, that's one of the ways in which we pass through a doorway. We get to something that we want to go. Um, 2 Corinthians 10.5 bears it out, taking every thought captive to the truth of Jesus Christ. The second point, we sow to it. This is action. Okay, the first is belief, faith, to believe. We agree. The second is we sow to it. This is an action word. This is a verb. Galatians 6, 8, for the one who sows to the flesh will reap from the flesh corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And again, not to spend too much time on this, but we have a tendency a lot of times in the body of Christ that everything that we talk about that talks about the kingdom is about salvation and that every, every parable that Jesus talked about has to do with salvation. When the reality is, is the Bible is written for the children of God. It's talking about relationship. It's talking about relationship. When it says he sows to the spirit or from the spirit reap eternal life. Well, you can't sow salvation. You either accept Christ or you reject Christ. So, the, the, the idea that we sow eternal life, that means we're sowing to one day, sowing to one day. Is, it's unbiblical. It's taking this as you sow to the realm of the spirit, you will reap what is in the spirit. What is spirit? God is eternal. God exists outside of time. Time is a creation of, of him. He is outside of time. So the life of God is eternal. The light, the kingdom is filled with his nature, his power, his essence. That is eternal. As we sow to the spirit, we reap that eternal life. We reap life that is outside of time. I don't want to get into that too much, but to just keep it simple and really lasered into the point, it's talking to the child of God right now. Galatians is written to children of God, born-again believers. And Paul is saying, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap death in that area. Your life's going to be a mess. Nothing good is going to come of it. You know, many times people have reached out to me, well, David, if you're saying we're the righteous of Christ, what's the motivation for even obeying? Well, because if you, God can see us as lovely and pure and holy, but if we live in partner with sin, we're going to have a miserable life filled with difficulties and trials that are outside of God's kingdom, trials that are the result of us submitting ourselves to Satan and his kingdom and just getting beaten up. And um, I've seen many, many Christians in the body of Christ that, uh, that choose to go that route. I wouldn't recommend it uh, um, at all. So Galatians 6a, this is how we sow to it as action. Uh, James 2.17, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So this is where we build upon it. First, we come into agreement with his word. That's faith. That's belief. We live by the mind of Christ. 
The carnal mind can be speaking to us whatever we want, fear, anxiety, torment, doubt. That is not who we are. So as we begin to recognize we have, we possess the mind of Christ, we died to the carnal mind. We died to that person, uh, Romans 6.11, Romans 6.6, 6, Romans 6.3, uh, Colossians 3.9 and 10. Um, we're dead to that man. We're dead to that person. And that not only can that carnal mind, it won't submit. The scriptures say it's impossible. Romans 8.7, it's impossible for that dead man, the unregenerated carnal mind, to submit to the things of God. Which, praise God, is why he gave us the mind of Christ. So when we feel those things, recognize they are separate. They are not who they are. People say, well, if you're feeling fear, you're not in faith. That is a lie. That's a false doctrine that's been around for the past 50 or 60 years from the faith movement, which has its place. We are children of faith. We receive salvation by faith. We please him by faith. We live by faith. Um, there's a lot to be said by faith. Uh, for those of you who uh, read so many places, people are saying, well, that, you know, this person's a false teacher. He's part of the word of faith movement. Well, he's part of the word of God. I mean, we, we, we receive salvation by faith through grace. The just shall live by faith. We are justified by faith. We please him by faith. And apart from faith, it's impossible to please him. Just naming five off the top of my head. Um, the Bible is filled with faith. James says that a person who is double-minded, that's not walking in faith, don't expect to receive much from God. So we need to be really careful and become students of the word. Everyone in the body of Christ is called to be a student of the word, being prepared in season and out of season, always ready to give an answer for their confident expectation of their walk in Christ. Um, when someone says something in love, challenge them. What do you mean by that? We have been taught to believe things without thinking them through. We cut and paste scriptures together. We don't know the verse that comes before it. We don't know what comes after it. We don't know the chapter, the context. We don't know the dispensation. We don't know the covenant. And, and that's coming to an end. The Lord is done with that. He is raising up the body of Christ, everyone, to know the word and know it in light of his nature and know it in light of who we are as his children, redeemed and sanctified and holy and pure and spotless, so that we can begin moving in the power of the Holy Spirit to actually live a life that way. So, um, sorry for that little rabbit trail, but how do we pass through gateways? Is agreement with his word, which is faith. From faith, we sow. We act upon our belief. We begin. So how exactly do we sow to the word? Many of you might be thinking, okay, here's how we activate our faith. Here's how we act upon it. Here's how we sow to the spirit. Prayer, meditation, citation, or speaking the word out loud, and visualization. So to prayer, to pray or to speak, right? Prayer means communion, to, to talk with, to talk with God. To meditate means to reflect upon. These are all um, words that I would really recommend everybody to look up in the New Testament. Get into the Greek, see what it says. We think upon the Word of God. We chew on it. We mull it over. We we meditate on it with the Holy Spirit. He will give us great. If we would just meditate on a word, meditate on a scripture, He will give us insight. The Holy Spirit will speak to us on that if we just give him the time to. 
And the more that we attempt coming to agreement with his word about how he sees us, the greater and the faster and the easier that revelation comes. Many times, you know, people will say, well, I got a revelation. They begin sharing this revelation, and it is so contrary to the word of God. But we're convinced it's of God because we're passing it through the carnal mind, and it makes sense to the carnal mind. So, again, if we, everything we perceive about the Lord and about ourselves is grounded upon, we're righteous, we're holy, we're without blame, without condemnation, we have to first establish who we've been redeemed from, who we've been transformed into. The scriptures say we become new creatures in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. The old has passed away, all things have become new. Well, that might be 2 Corinthians 5.21. Anyway, prayer, meditation, um, citation, speaking out loud the word, and visualization. And I want to talk about visual, visualization for a moment. There is, um, everything has a ditch, right? Everything has, there's, there's two sides to every road. On every road, usually, there's a ditch. Um, on one extreme is saying, you know, don't ever visualize. I, you know, don't, you don't do that. The other end of the stream, extreme is visualize it until it comes to pass. Mm, those are both out of alignment with the Word of God. Um, as we submit ourselves to the Lord and to spending time in him, when we meditate, the scriptures say whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is holy, whatever is noble, meditate on these things. Now, it can be argued that scripture is saying, well, you meditate on that. You look up the word, it means to turn over, to examine. Part of the word of meditate means to look upon, to see. So meditation is not just the rehearsal of something in your mind. It's to frame a picture. And that's why visualization is so important. There are many times in, in the Word of God where, where the Lord shows us a picture of the Lord on his throne. As we visualize that, we are coming into alignment with the reality of the revelation of Jesus Christ to the extent that he revealed himself in that passage. As we meditate and visualize that, we are, we are allowing our minds, the mind of Christ, to come into agreement with who we are in the spirit. The Greek word horeo is translated behold. When Jesus says behold, it means to look, to take notice, to see, to see. So in Revelation 3.20, where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's saying, see, I stand at the door and knock. Now, here's the question. Was there a physical door that Jesus was knocking on to show John what he was talking about? No. No. Jesus was saying, John, visualize, see with your spiritual eyes, I am the God who stands at the door of your heart knocking. Visualize that. See that. That's where visualization comes in. Has the New Age robbed that and tried to do all sorts of crazy stuff? Sure. Yeah, I'm not, but I'm not going to forfeit what the cross has given me because our deceived brothers and sisters are lost. The estranged children of God, the sheep that are out there, out of outside the fold that we're supposed to run and get have decided to go off into their own stuff. Well, that's what Satan does. 
There's no counterfeit $3 bills out there in circulation. Cannot create. He counterfeits. So um, as long as we are grounded on the word of God and our identity in Christ, that's our safeguard. That's our safe set. That's the safe theology in which we build our relationship upon. If we're trying to visualize something so that God will reveal himself or we see an angel or or where that makes us special and and that'll try to earn, we'll feel more special and more holy. If we're trying to gain something about our worth, that's what leads into the error and the excess. And that's how so many wonderful programs or, or fellowships or schools of thought have gotten into excess because many times the teachers that have a very intimate walk with the Lord don't lay enough of a foundation of the righteousness of Christ. And so when they're, those that are being discipled in the Lord, they don't have that foundation. They become imitators. We imitate the, the, um, the practice, but the motive of our heart is wrong. And everything about our walk comes down to motives. It comes down to motives and our mind being in proper alignment with the word of God. So um, how do we pass through them? Agreement with his word and sowing. We sow through prayer, through meditation, through citation, and through visual, visualization according to the word of God. Um, Ephesians 1.8 um, says we see with the eyes of our heart. That's visualization. The scriptures are full with visualizing. It's biblical visualize, visualization. Just give me a tough time at work. We are, we are meant to bring the mind of Christ, not drawing from the dead man, from the mind of Christ, from in alignment with his truth. My worth is secure. It is complete in him. I can't earn any more love from him. I cannot be more special. From the mind of Christ, I bring my, my spirit and my mind, will, emotions to bear, to focus on the realities of the kingdom. That is biblical visualization. Okay, so back to sowing. Sowing to the spirit opens the doorway of life eternal. This is the broadest doorway that we can talk about. It's all of the kingdom. In Galatians 6, 8, says, sow to the spirit and you'll reap life eternal. That's the most broad doorway that we could talk about. If we sow into God's kingdom, if we pray, meditate, speak out loud, visualize, whatever aspect of the kingdom we, we, we apply these things, we are sowing to that aspect of the kingdom that we want to walk in alignment with his truth and empower the Holy Spirit in communion with him. The third part um, of how we open the doorways, agreement with his word, sowing, and steadfastness. Steadfastness means never letting go. And um, all of these areas are crucial. Um, steadfastness is one of the big ones. Um, you know, I guess my whole life, really, from when I was a little boy, um, when I received Christ at about seven, I mean, straight up through the present time, the number one biggest thing where I've seen God's children turn aside and forfeit the things promised to them corporately and individually is, is because of steadfastness. We lose heart. And you know what? 
I'll share with you. I don't usually share too much because it's not about me, but, but there's a place for it sometimes, right? I mean, that's family. That's that's church life. When I was um, about 20 and the Lord told me to, to, to leave uh, school, I was going to a state school, and the Lord told me to, to leave the state school and I was going to spend the uh, next several years with him alone. <clears throat> um, I had stepped down as an assistant youth leader um, at the fellowship where I was, and I was just alone with the Lord, and, and I was going through a pretty dry season. And the Lord appeared to me, um, and I've since learned this is one of the one of the first times that uh, that um, the Lord spoke to me in a dream. And um, a lot of times He would sit down with me at a table. Right, this is a dream. He would sit down with me at a table, and He would show me something on a paper, or He would draw something, or He would or He'd talk to me about something. And in this particular one, He there was a vase, and He had shown me a vase that was all cracked and broken, and the word Jeremiah thirty three three was written on that. Uh, Call to me, and I will. I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Now, at the time, at 20, um, I hadn't read Jeremiah very much. I don't think I ever read that verse. So um, the dream was very intense. It was very detailed. It was very, um, I mean, I felt like I was there, wherever there was. Um, And I woke up, and the first thing I did is I, I looked up that verse, and I just couldn't believe it when I read that verse. You know, my heart was crying out to him during that season, and he answered me encouraging me. You know, so at first I said, Lord, I am calling to you. And then I realized what he spoke to me is, David, stay steadfast. I know you're searching. I know you're calling out. If you do this, here is what you will get. I will reveal hidden things of the kingdom to you. Not because I'm special. David Murray is not special. I'm only special in the eyes of the Lord. (laughs) We're, We're all special in his eyes. But there's nothing different that I access that anybody else cannot. That's, that, let me make that very clear. Here's what I didn't realize that I'm, I want to pass along for your encouragement for the body of Christ, especially in this hour, in this season, in 2016. The greater the revelation that we get on something, the greater the spiritual experience, the more graphic the dream or the vision or the more that a scripture verse comes alive to us, um, the more intensely we get hit with something that, that we know is of the Lord, the more challenging you can be assured the season is that you're about to enter into. And that bears out in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And the reason why that is is because that's the application of we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, if we're meant to abide in the kingdom and the kingdom is freely open to us and the things that have been hidden have been revealed, what does that scripture verse mean? It seems to contradict it. Let me explain. We walk by faith, by belief of the kingdom, the realities of the kingdom, while we cannot see. And the only thing we do see is with our natural eyes. When our natural eyes are in contradiction to the things not yet seen in the spirit realm that we are standing on, we stand on belief until the kingdom breaks through into the natural realm. That's what that scripture is talking about. Right? If we step back and look at it, the men and women of God walked in realms of the spirit. So why, if we walked in realms of the faith, does it say we walk by faith and not by sight? In the realm of the kingdom, they could see, they talked, they spoke, they dialogued, they interacted. This verse is talking about when we do not yet see 
the area of the kingdom we are believing for, we are in breakthrough for, we are standing on, we are standing on the word, we are sowing to the spirit, we're being steadfast. We walk in that steadfastness and not by the five physical senses of the carnal mind or the carnal realm. Remember, the kingdom of God supersedes the natural realm. It's more real and it takes precedence over this realm. As we sow, as we sow to that and stay steadfast in that, eventually that breakthrough will take place. And we stay steadfast until it does. And so sometimes, many times, and it's been through in my life, the greater the interaction I've had, a spiritual encounter on any level, any biblical level, scriptural level, um, the greater the testing and the trials of that faith was. So a lot of people will say, well, I want to have this really X, Y, Z experience. And that's fine. We're meant to walk in those realms. But when, when God is telling us we're about to go through a difficult season, we are called to draw upon what he told us so that we remain steadfast on the things that we were shown. So that in our day-to-day life, we walk not by what our five physical senses are speaking to us, but upon the realities of the kingdom. And if we get no special thing, that doesn't change anything. We still walk by faith in the word of God. So the reason why I'm sharing that is because at that age of 20, I had no idea the amount of scorn and ridicule and rejection and persecution I would get um, from within the, my own body of Christ, within the body, during that, that next three to four years. It was very intense. And I drew upon that word and, and that word alone for months and months and months at a time um, held me steadfast. I took that word for myself, and I said, I'm never letting go. And so with the body of Christ, I'm exhorting all of you, is really Galatians 6, 9. Uh, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. See, God will give us what we need, and that's hand-tailored for each one of us. This is a season of trials, of, of refinement of pruning. And many, many, many of you, myself included, my wife included, my family included, we are going through some very, very challenging um, pruning and, and refining. And the scriptures say everyone, everything that bears fruit, he prunes even more. You know, so we don't have to be in sin to be pruned, just the opposite. He cuts back so that, and for those of you landscapers, it makes sense to me. I, I used to have a small landscaping business. When you want something to get even thicker, you cut it back even more. And he's doing that in the body of Christ. And so one of the areas, one of the very important areas is to stay steadfast. And, and the five senses of the physical realm that we interact with day in and day out, going to our jobs, staying home, wherever we are, are going to press hard upon the realities of the kingdom. Those five senses are going to speak to us. They'll speak to us in our sight. They'll speak to us in the feelings of our body. They will speak to us in the feelings of our mind. The carnal mind will try to come at us with doubt and despair, um, uh, fear. Be in faith. You absolutely can be walking in the mind of Christ and be standing in faith in the midst of feeling those emotions because those emotions, those thoughts are external thoughts. They are no longer who we are. We died, the scriptures say, to the carnal mind. So 
We are dead to that. So when we feel those things, recognize those are external thoughts speaking to us, we reject them. We do not um, value them. We do not pay a high regard. Uh, scriptures, one translation says to esteem, it's to place a very high value. We do not do that. We tell those things, you're a lie. I hear you. I'm tired of hearing you. Go be quiet. Go sit in the corner somewhere. I am standing on the word, irregardless of how much fear keeps pinging me in the chest or keeps hitting me in the mind or keeps hitting me within my body. So to encourage all of you, do not allow yourselves to give up. You are not out of faith just because you are experiencing the five physical senses in whatever realms or if you're experiencing uh, negative or painful emotions. So that's the carnal-minded man and the hurt and the wounds of, of the past, the lies of this world, trying to get us to forfeit who we are and what we possess. We're spirit beings and we have the mind of Christ. So Galatians 6, 9, a steadfastness, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on guard, stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong. The word faith means to believe. We stand firm on the beliefs of the word of God. So anyway, okay. Um, going back to belief here for a second, being firm in the belief. Um, what does that mean, stand firm in the faith? Well, what faith, what belief? The answer is simple. It's, we apply that to whatever the word of God is saying on the area of your life that he is working on your walk with him. Whatever area he is pressing upon you to go deeper, you stand firm on the word of God, what the word of God has to say in that area. Now, whatever aspect of his kingdom we want to sow to will determine what area of the kingdom we reap. If I want to sow and understand about healing, I'm going to study about that. I'm not going to study about pre, mid, or post-tribulation. If I want greater insight into that, I'm going to study and meditate on that. If I want to know how to walk in greater peace, and greater authority, I'm going to pray, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to speak out loud, and I'm going to visualize the power of the kingdom, the healing of the kingdom, and on the works that Jesus did. The scriptures say, wherever our heart is, there our treasures are. If we are interested in theological doctrines for the sake of arguing theological doctrines, we'll sow to that, and we will reap a degree of knowledge in that. And if we're sowing by the, the mind of Christ, we'll reap a great deal of knowledge in that. Um, and, and I'm not saying there's anything right or wrong. Any area of the kingdom we have free access to. It's, a, it's, a, it's an unlimited library. So whatever is a passion on your heart, examine why is it a passion. And then once you've been able to sift through the carnal mind and say, no, 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 that's garbage. Okay, I can't add to my worth or my identity. Or that doesn't, we sift away all the trash. And we say, okay, what is of the spirit? If I can sit and say right now, I am complete. I'm loved by him fully. My value, my worth has nothing to do with my place or function or the giftings in the body of Christ. I can just sit and rest in him. I can rest in the reality of his love and faithfulness 
that he set a table in the midst of my enemy. Okay, from that position, what is the desire of my heart? And that desire is part of your spiritual makeup. It is part of who you are called to be and how you are called to function in the body of Christ. The time is coming where those that will answer the call in this season will begin learning who they are, learning their place in the body of Christ, learning what they're called to do, learning the giftings, learning the different gifts of power the Holy Spirit has placed inside each and every one of us and beginning to discover them. So I say that for your, for your encouragement. We'll, we'll going to finish up here in a couple of minutes here. I want to read 2 Peter uh, 1, five. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness mutual affection, and to affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is often overlooked in this verse is what Peter is saying, that if you do these things, these lists, the knowledge, self-control, perseverance, affection, if you build on these building blocks, these spiritual building blocks, if you possess these in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is making it very clear there is a way to have a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and yet remain ineffective and unproductive as a son and daughter of God. And we as the body of Christ, more than any other hour, are guilty of that. We're more focused on theology and knowledge than we are in how to be effectual in the ministry of reconciliation, in the ministry of releasing his love to each other, to the body of Christ, and to the lost. There is a way to be effective, and there's a way to possess all the knowledge of the Word of God and not produce one ounce of eternal merit or benefit. This is part of this is part of the burden that's on my heart, guys. Being very frank, I mean, it's one of the reasons why um, <laughs> I'm born at the time I was born. And you know, when every one of us is listening, is born for this time. We're nothing. Our birth is not an accident. We are placed sovereignly, the exact moment that we were born to fulfill a purpose. I'm no more special again than anybody else. Um, there's a great falling away that has come upon us. The church has a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Some of it some knowledge of him, but no power. It's not productive. We're not effective. It does no little to nothing to display the kingdom to a dying world, let alone to, to each other, to minister to each other. Um, when one member of the body is hurting, guys, I say this, this is not a word of condemnation. This is a word of exhortation. And I pray it's a word of encouragement in season. When we have a member of the body who's in trouble, who's hurting, we, sh- we have inside of us the ability to lay hands on that person and impart life, the kingdom, to their spirit, to their soul, and to their body. Whatever area they need the kingdom released to give them a breakthrough, 
the body of Christ is called to set straight broken bones, Ephesians 5 says. That's the purpose of fellowship, to grow into the full stature and measure of Jesus Christ. We say that. Was Jesus Christ just on here talking theology? Was Jesus Christ on the earth talking about when he's coming back as if that's the reason why he came? No, he came to show the Father. That's why Jesus came, so that that which is invisible has a visible, perfect representation of his image for us to draw upon, to visualize, to grab a hold of, so that we can become imitators. We're to become imitators of Christ. Now, I was just reading recently, someone says, nowhere, that's, that's, uh, that's the epitome of arrogance, to be imitators of Christ. That, I... Um, I guess I'll just address that real quick. Um, the scriptures say to be imitators of God. And if Jesus says, I and the Father are one, and that Jesus is the perfect representation of the Father um, in the full form of deity, then to say being imitators of God, and the scriptures don't say to be imitators of Christ, is either to say that Jesus is not God, or that Jesus as God is of a different divine nature than the Father. Um, that's ridiculous. And, um, and we need to just recognize when silly things are said, don't get thrown off by them. Just say, wait a minute, that's kind of silly. That doesn't make sense. Um, and the body of Christ is doing that in this hour. We're learning not to just swallow things, um, but to become students of the word. That's so important because that's our foundation in which we engage our relationship with the Lord. Um, there's nothing arrogant. Our worth is secured in Christ. If we try to exalt ourselves above the righteousness of Christ, well, then it is arrogant. But to become an imitator of God, to enter into his divine nature, which is inside of us, is not arrogant. It's what we're called to. We are called to be one in him, just as Jesus says, I and the Father are one. It is arrogant to contend with the word of God and say something that's different because we think this false sense of humility somehow glorifies God. It doesn't. It's offensive to him. False humility is offensive. Saying that, well, I'm unworthy of this and I'm worthy of that, yes, there's a part of that that's true. It's a free gift. We're not worthy because of our inherent deity. We're not deity. He is deity in us. He is God in us. It's the free gift of righteousness that he has clothed us with. So we didn't earn it. To say I'm unworthy, he says, I have made you worthy. He corrected Peter when, when he had the vision. Had the Peter, Peter had the vision. He was in a trance, and he, and he rolled down, and God says, Peter, kill, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter says, no, I've never touched anything clean. God's correction was stern and to the point and released the full gospel message, which took them 10 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to get. Don't call anything unclean which I have made clean. And we don't, any area, it is borderline blasphemous to say, I'm an unworthy this, this, and this, and this. If we do not understand from our spirit being in an agreement with our mind, he has freely imputed righteousness to us. We are no longer sinners saved under grace. We are now the righteousness of Christ, and it's arrogance to say otherwise. So, Sorry if I got a little animated there. We, we, we cannot dictate who God made us. The, the agony and the torture of the cross 
um, deserves our full compliance. It is not um, pleasing to our Father to take the gift of the cross and to trample on it by, by making us feel and seem less than what he has freely given us. That gift was more precious than we have any idea that's not pleasing to him. And this day and age where everything is free grace and there's no cry to holiness or to be reconciled to his heart or to understand, hey, I am fully pleasing, so let me return that love. Let me seek the one who loved me. And we live as if we're sinners. Um, breaks dad's heart. And that, that's just the reality of it. And there's no condemnation in that. But for those of you that were sat under these legalistic doctrines that either said were these unworthy messes that God barely wants to look at is so offensive to the righteousness of Christ. Um, and the other end of it is this seeker-friendly, sloppy agape that tramples on He became sin for us so that we're empowered to stop sinning, not to earn his love, but so that we can commune with him. People say, what's the point of the righteousness of Christ? The, the point of not sinning is because our dad created us to fellowship with him. He longs to walk with us, to speak with us. He longs to, to call us friends because we have such an intimate relationship with him. That's why he placed the Holy Spirit inside of us. It's to walk in holiness, not so that we can be pious, or not so that we can say we're so unworthy, and not so that we can go on sinning. He gave us the power of the Holy Spirit, which has the power to conquer sin and death, so that we can spend time with him, because he's a dad who loves his children. That's the purpose of it all. That's the great reconciliation. That's the great rescue, is he wants to spend time with you. There's no shame in that. He never gets tired of knocking on the door of our heart, and he'll be there always. Okay, so that's uh, that's steadfastness. <laughs> Remaining steadfast is key. Um, so to summarize, what are doorways? Um, they're simply principles, they're key points in the Word of God that tell us how to access certain realms, realities of the kingdom that we um, are said we can enter into. We can have any room to this mansion, any, any room this library. This whole library is ours. And he will walk with us in every library and explain and walk through it with us and teach us and put his arm around us. Go into any room you want. Whichever room you want to go into, you want to get into that room, there are ways to engage the spirit realm in that area. Those I call doorways. We pass through them through agreement with his word. This is our beliefs. In order to have a belief, we have to get into the word of God and see what it, see what it says and agree upon it. The second is sowing. This is faith acted upon. It's agreement with his word, and then it's acting upon it through prayer, through meditation, through citation, through visualization. And the third point is steadfastness. It's not giving up while we're sowing to what we don't yet see or feel. We stay steadfast. We don't contend with it. Principles of 2 Corinthians 10.5, we take every thought captive. In the midst of the carnal-minded man and our five physical senses, saying, you're stupid, 
you're an idiot. This is a lie. This is all garbage. Nothing's going to change. You're going to die. Dot, 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 et cetera, et cetera. You can stand in faith in the midst of those things. They're lying vanities. They're vapors of smoke. They're lions with no teeth. So that is the introduction to um, understanding doorways and and how these doorways, um, what we're going to be getting into greater communion, intimacy. We're going to be speaking in the next several weeks how to access, apply the doors, the principles to walk in greater intimacy. Um, Intimacy is the kingdom. It's proximity to the throne room. It's proximity to God. We're spirit beings. We have... The scriptures say, come boldly before the throne of grace. Um, and so we're going to talk about that, learn how to begin really walking um, according to the privileges, the rights, the gifts that we were given to walk in, and to commune with him in spirit and in truth. Um, so that's that for this evening. Uh, Dorothy, any, any questions before um, we sign off for tonight? I don't see any. Give give the chat room a minute to post a question if they have one. Okay. Um, well, this evening. is really just a, a, a basic, you know, um, background. I'm just saying the principles and those, um, those scriptures that are in there will give us some ideas uh, on how we, you know, access doorways to wisdom, doorways of faith, doorways of salvation, doorways of opportunity, um, it's really kind of um, just a, a basic foundation that I'm really excited to get into in the next several weeks, Dorothy, because we're really going to talk about how it is not difficult to enter into intimacy with the Lord. It's all of us. It's our right, and it's it's what he desires. He longs for it. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited about that. Yes, he went to great lengths to restore intimacy with us, so I think it might behoove us to, to put a little effort into it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm laughing at myself because there's so many times when when he's, um, you know, I could just feel. It's funny. Just earlier on this evening, I was going over some uh, some things in my head, some some struggles that I'm dealing with, uh, and standing firm in His Word. And it was so funny. I I um, I just felt the Spirit of God on the inside of me. It's hard to explain. It's um, his peace was attempting to overflow from within inside of me. You know, the scriptures say, "From within the, the man's belly will flow rivers of life." Well, um, one of the aspects of life is peace, right? Uh, it's, it, keeping perfect peace, he used mind state on Christ. So I'm meditating on the Lord. I'm turning over this situation, and I can just feel the Holy Spirit, the peace rising up within me, and for some. Stupid reason. Um, I, I'm just saying. Well, no, wait a second. Wait a second. I don't want to. I don't like. It's almost like the thought was just slipping away. The concern was slipping away, and I was actually literally trying to hold on to it. And the Lord stopped me. He says, "David, what are you doing?" And I said, "Well, Lord, I, I want to talk to you about this. You know, but if I if I just enter into your peace, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna talk about it. And that happens many times in prayer with Him. I come into Him." wanting to discuss something, when I get into his presence, I can't think of the question I have, and I talk to him about the things he wants to talk to me about. <laughs> I never understood when people said that. Now I get it. And uh, it could be ridiculously sounding. It could be frustrating, but this is kind of ridiculous. So anyway, he said, David, if I wanted to talk to you about this, I'd discuss it. 
why don't you just yield to my, the peace of my presence and yield to my kingdom the very things you're going to be speaking about in a little while. <laughs> I said, all right, that's fine. I guess I'll do that, and I'll, I'll, I'll put this on the shelf, and I'll not think about this. And um, just goes to show you guys, I've got a lot of work to do in me as well, so you guys are in good company. But if there's no chat, Dorothy, or, or no questions, I, I guess we'll sign off. And um, uh, Well, don't sign off yet. I think Andre is thinking of calling in. Oh, okay. Oh, there we go. Hold on, I'm opening the mic now. Come on. There we go. It's open. Hi, Andre. How are you? Hi, this is Pamela. Sorry, Andre oh, hi, was Pamela. writing. Hey. <laughs> How are you, sister? Uh, Oh, just um, overwhelmed with how good he is. <laughs> just, uh, um, <laughs> sorry, just everything. <laughs> I'm just getting free, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of share what's been going on lately. Um, I've I've realized through the steadfastness that you were talking about tonight. <clears throat> Um, I realized that that, you know, probably about 2003, God was trying to take me through this, that he is, um, that I'm really allowing him to take me through right now. Um, I, I mean, he's continuing, um, but is some of my steadfastness, I, I mean, I didn't have steadfastness because I was tied up in all these misbeliefs. Yeah. Um, misunderstandings and sorry, super emotional. <laughs> mm. But um, um, whew. anyway, um, just recently, uh, re- you know, we had a conversation, um, where I was really starting to understand, um, God and that He's not angry and the whole thing about um there are people who are saved that are still smoking and <laughs> you know things sure. like that um you know sure. which makes me wonder you know I thought I fell away at times and sometimes I wasn't falling away I was just living in some sin you know I wasn't falling sure. away um but anyway um my sister Pamela can I can I can I say something without you losing a train of thought? Is it a bad time for me to yes. say something? Yes. No. 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 Okay. No. Uh, okay. I I just want to hit on 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 that just that one statement you made about smoking. Um, okay. okay. Just okay. just for a second. Um, with the, but one of the things, and this is really for your encouragement and for the encouragement I believe for many out there in the body of Christ. The the, the process of the word the word sanctified means to set apart. Okay. Yes. So so we look at sanctified as works, right? As, yes. Okay, we 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 have to become more holy. The word holy also means to be consecrated. Th- these are actions in which in which the Lord is saying, "Hey, uh, you know, Pamela, I've called you into the kingdom. I've called you out of darkness into the kingdom of my dear Son. I've clothed you with righteousness and a garment of salvation." We are made sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then as we enter into his goodness, as we get revelations of his goodness, as he asks us to trust him and give up things that separate us 
from experiencing his kingdom life and power yeah that's how we that's how we begin to live more and more separated from the world and more in alignment with his kingdom the body of christ has been taught is legalism yes. we have been taught that the way to intimacy is through giving things up or acting a certain way. And that just creates a Pharisee. They're they're byproducts of our communion. And what that has to do with smoking is because the church has its own little pet sins that we say are are acceptable and not acceptable. And um, so the Bible doesn't talk about smoking any more than it talks about high cholesterol. (laughs) <laughs> right. If, if if high cholesterol is damaging to your body, and we say that the heart disease is number one killer or number two killer, depends on which survey you've read in the last year uh, of of people, right? Then the greatest right. the abomination against God of your temple is to eat too many eggs, right? <laughs> so, so now, now it sounds kind of crazy, but but really, we we do not have the right one to pick and choose what areas of our life we can say are sociably acceptable and are enigmas in the body of Christ. Right. And so we, we have our areas where we say, well, that's a sin. Well, you know, um, am I 10 pounds or five pounds overweight? Well, then I'm defiling right. my temple. That's a sin. Am I losing my right. salvation? Right? right. If I don't get enough right. sleep, if I'm sleep deprived, I'm, I'm tearing down my body. I'm, I'm not getting the sleep I should get, which definitely leads Right, meets susceptible to the flu in the wintertime, to certain colds. Right, right. Did I just lose my salvation? You know, it, and, and right. but we say, no, no, it's okay. You're working hard. You're a hard worker. You can be sleep deprived. Or, oh, well, you know, you'll get to the gym next year, your New Year's resolution next year, next year. Those are okay. Yeah. Yeah. But if we do these other socially inacceptable ones, then we're targeted. And, and so the reason you know, why I'm – yeah, no, go ahead, Pamela. Well, and then the scriptures, and then the scriptures they use to uh, to beat you up, or in and myself as well, beat myself up and others is be an overcomer. So you got to overcome that cigarette, you know, and it becomes, (laughs) you know, but it also becomes this this thing to where, um, uh, you know, it's based. Now I'm righteous because I quit smoking. Well, now I'm not because I'm smoking. Now you know, Uh, yeah. It, yeah. and, and then, you know, it just makes so much sense now that, that yeah. God will not share his glory. No there is nothing that I can do that can save me. Yes, nothing that's right. I, I'm, I've just gotten, you know, I've just, I was sharing this, you know, coming back to this. My sister, um, she recently was having some troubles and came over, and I was sharing this with my sister. And, I, you know, um her and I both at times. I mean, I, that's why I was talking a lot about on, on the, uh, the thing that on, um, the texting stuff we were talking about in the, uh, you know, if you're saved or not, you know, can you lose your salvation? And because, you know, we, from week to week, are we saved or are we not, you know, getting beat up like that. And it's such a waste of time on a believer. Anyway, I was sharing this with my sister and this is how I knew that, you know, this the spirit of religion carries with it a critical spirit, and this is how I knew. I mean, I I, I had an inkling that I had issues with critical spirit, but my sister, her countenance just changed when I was telling her about how I see God now and how I knew she was saved and how I know I am saved, and Amen. she just 
And she stayed away from me for a long time, but she just looked at me and said, Sister, I'm so glad you said that because I didn't come around sometimes because I was afraid you were going to break out and try to cast out demons in me. You know? And and now she's she's coming and uh, she's praying with us and she's calling me. You know, even today she called up and said, you know, I'm just sitting here alone and I just didn't want to isolate myself. And, you know, and... Uh, there was there was times when her and I heard from the Lord in unison that matched together, you know, like the body's supposed to, you know, the gifts work yeah. together. And she's just going through, been going through some troubling times, and um, that just uh, blew me away because I didn't realize how much I didn't understand why she was staying away from me. But yeah. now I know religion keeps people away, and and I don't want any part of it. And I praise God; He's He's uh, taken it out of me. And um, it gets so twisted up in you, you know, the lies. And I I am so grateful for Amen. Um, for these teachings. I'm so grateful because um, God, yeah, God's amazing, and He's. And at, even as a little girl, I've had passion for God and, and wanted to follow him. Um, but uh, I, I'm just thankful that he is he is now just getting, uh, weeding out all this, this garbage that's been in the body of Christ. Amen. And Pamela, what a wonderful portion of your testimony. Thank you for sharing that. I know that's ministered to a lot of people. It ministers to me. And that's just it's just wonderful, and it really is. Our walk is not—it's not a complicated walk, and it is not—it is—it is just not difficult. It's just unraveling all of the deception and the religion that has crept in. And well, um, David, David, what? Okay, what um, exactly? And what? What I'm going through right now—the portion that you talked about uh, the last time. Uh, oh no no no! I'm sorry. A backup here. I would recommend to anyone who hasn't gone on your um, your website and read your articles because it fit in so well with the um, the article that you have about the wilderness, the second um, one, and you were talking about um, to not at this time. In the wilderness, I wrote some key stuff down, um, you know, and you, you wrote down, you know, just some encouragement. At this time, don't try to do the right thing. Don't try uh, to be right with, I mean, I, I, I don't know, I don't know, because I, I don't have it where I written down, but basically that's what happened to me is I would pick up and I would try to do the right thing based on what religion taught me. And yeah. I would alienate people. I would not. Um, I, I wouldn't let God into the intimate parts that need to be healed and fixed. You yeah. know. Um, but it, that just hit me to um, don't try to fix things. I would always try to fix things myself and others. You know. No. But yeah. It, yeah. You're absolutely right. Proximity to the throne room is what transforms us. We think that if exactly. we try to fix ourselves which is just, it's just our soul. It's our strength. It's, it's by the spirit of self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit, but it's not meant to drive us. It, yeah. it, it's an outflow of communion with him. And if we attempt to fix ourselves, we're not doing it by 
a byproduct of being in his presence because we're transformed from being in his presence. And, and, um, and, and a, a lot of people are in, are in that wilderness desert season right now. It's going to probably be a four or five part series on that, but I know the part that you're talking about because that, that really struck yeah. home to me as I was writing it, I was in tears writing it and at the thought of it encouraging some people. So, so can, you, uh, can you explain a little more? I mean, cause like I'm, I'm getting it, but it's like, you know, um, you said in that, in that place where God is taking us, it, um, can you, can you say what you said again? Sure. The part that I was talking about in relation to that is, is, is that one of the things that he does out in that wilderness journey is he dismantles the religion. He dismantles yeah. self-righteousness and oh, all the yeah. different ways that it can crop up. Self-righteous and one could look completely different manifestation in another, but the same root. And so when we're in that part where he's dismantling us, he's, he is removing the outer man, removing the carnal-minded man, removing the dead religion, and replacing it with him, the power of the Holy Spirit churning with inside of us. He doesn't need us to be good, to behave. Anything yes. that keeps us trying to do things by our own strength is the very thing he wants us to lay down. And, and that forces us to fall upon his grace and say, Lord, it's you and you alone. It's, it, because the scriptures ah. say it's the love of Christ that compels us. Okay, that just hit me. The reason yeah. why it's so hard for me to not try to behave, because I was taught, if you behave, you're loved. If, you're no, if you don't behave, you're not loved. Exactly, and, and exactly, and that's why it's so important for us to go back to the word about what it says about who we are as his children. To the degree that we understand, see, we've, we've mixed it. We say that because, um, because we're saved, we may have righteousness or we have righteousness, and it's the opposite. It's because what Jesus did on the cross, he gave us his righteousness, and it is only through holiness and righteousness and the forgiveness of sin that we are reconciled back to the Father, which by definition is salvation. So you, it's impossible to remove that. It's, we only have salvation because we've been made righteous. So the idea that we have, we're, we're saved, but we're still sinners, we're still unworthy, or we're still not loved, negates the whole, negates salvation. Exactly, because, and, it could, right. and it could change any moment, depending on it, our, our... Yes, yes exactly, our, and it yeah. becomes works, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why everything, every aspect of our walk with God, everything that we're working through, um, must be grounded on first who is our Heavenly Father? Who is the Lord Jesus Christ? What are the scriptures about the Holy Spirit? What did the cross make us? Yeah. If, we are, if we are new creatures in Christ, well, then what did we die to and what have we become? Because that is how we perceive every interaction in the kingdom based upon our belief system. And the wilderness brings all those things to the surface. You can't escape them because yeah. once you're out there, <laughs> you, can't get, yeah. you can't come back. Once he initiates that process, um, he will never stop until that work is performed, until it's completed, until it's worked out. And um, so anything that's, that's I'm doing right now is not working. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah. I found myself going, "Ooh, okay, I know how to do this," and I started doing it, and it, uh, you know, in a in a situation, and uh, something happened to where I couldn't complete it. And I'm just like, okay, Lord, I know you're in this. 
you're and really, then, yep. you know, trying to make me settle down and stop trying to earn anything. And wow, is that so hard? Yeah, it it it, it takes us back to what am I believing right now? What am I yeah. believing right now? And that's that's why on the on the website I put, you know, the sections on the mind of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. All the scriptures yeah. that deal with that, and and the yeah. carnal mind, when how the carnal mind, how we can see is exposed, is based upon our belief system, based upon how we, how we think, goes back to what we believe, and yeah. so whenever we're struggling, go back to what it, what am I believing at this moment about myself and about the Lord, and is that consistent with what the Word of God says? Yes, yeah. and then we have it, and 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 we'll want to resist that because it's scary. Yes. It, it takes courage to say, God loves me unconditionally. And almost universally, at some point, every one of us says, well, what does that mean? I can sin however I want. I can't really <laughs> relate to that. And I think we've talked about this before. I can't, I'm not looking to see how much I can sin before I fall off a cliff and go into hell. I'm just not interested in that. No, and exactly. We don't have an understanding of the depth of his love for his children and the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have much more faith in Satan than we do in, in our creator. Right. And it's because that's what we've been taught. And yeah. even those that have taught that, it's because they didn't know any better. So it's not about blame. It's just about no. let's, let's judge things upon the word of the God, uh, on the yeah. word of God, and, and let's begin just moving in agreement with it. Amen. So, yeah. Because I, I know so. my mom didn't, I know my parents didn't mean to put this on me. They were afraid. They you know, they operated sure. out of fear that if they didn't, you know, man- manipulate me to a way that would sure. keep me from doing good, then, yeah, I did the same thing. And Sure. Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. Or or, or at the, the other extreme, which is um, well, the other extreme. I don't want to go off in a rabbit show, but there's no consequences and we don't care about anything. And um, Exactly. And and there's so there's many people that are thinking they've received Christ when, when – um, there's no yeah. heartfelt acknowledgement of our sinners in need of real salvation. Um, right. But that's, that's a, you know, for the most part, the, you know, the, those that are tuning in and listening, that's really not the camp that we're coming from. Um, that's the hyper grace camp. That's, you know, this is really the body of Christ, you know, by and large, um, you know, need to get a revelation of his love and that we, respond from love. We grow in our communion, in our power, in intimacy by understanding what he made us. Um, and then if we want to continue to sin, uh, you know, I'm not looking to see how far I can sin, but I can tell you any areas we do sin, you just, you reap death in that area. There's nothing pleasant about it. So that in itself is enough motivation to understand. Yeah. I don't want to sow to this, you know, it's not pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because what you reap from it's not, yeah. Yep, Exactly. Oh, well. Well, I Pamela, that... thank you so much for calling. It's always a pleasure speaking with you guys. And, and tell Andrea I said hello. And, and right um, here. <laughs> it's always a pleasure as well. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Good, good. Well, I'll catch up with you guys, I hope, soon. And, and thank you so much for the feedback and for sharing just a small part of your testimony about what's going on recently. Pamela, that's just so awesome and so encouraging for me. Thank you so much. Yes, and I I would encourage you too sometimes, David, to continue um, giving some of your testimony because, you know, it really helps me, and I think it helps us all to see the application of, you know, of how we've applied what we've learned 
because I know you said tonight that it's not about you, but I do enjoy when um, you do give a testimony of how God's worked it through with you. Thank you, Pamela. I will. I will do that. The Lord's been leading me to share more, and I'm trying to be just tactful and wise because I don't want. I, I am. I, I do want to be circumspect and make sure I'm, I'm giving the word. And, and uh, but I do understand. I hear what you're saying because the Lord has been uh, prompting me to give more applications. So, so that's a confirmation. So, thank you for that. Well, and I was going to ask you, you know, what comes to mind, and I don't know if I'm using the scripture correctly that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Yeah, amen. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Praise God. Absolutely. That's a fantastic verse for that. He's been speaking to me on that too. So So thank you very much. You're spot on. (laughs) Hallelujah. God is good. (laughs) Thank you guys too. And you as well as Dorothy. Yes, Dorothy. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. You have a wonderful evening. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. We will. God bless. God bless you guys. Thanks so much. Well, Dorothy, I think I'll say if there's, if there's no one on that's waiting, um, we'll say goodnight and um, look to catch up, to, uh, not this coming Friday, but next Friday, Lord willing. Yes, it would be very upsetting if you had to teach every week. I mean, <laughs> you just felt uh. so devastated, wouldn't we, Pamela? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm just taking it one uh, one season at a time. But um, I, I would. Uh, it is my heart's desire to um, to to be as active in serving the body of Christ as um, as I can and as the Lord leads. So so for all those listening, know that it is it is not um, for lack of desire that I am not yet sharing every week. Um, so um, we'll we'll just see how that opens up down the road and how what opportunities the Lord leads and and I appreciate all everyone's prayer and continues to support. Um, for my family and for myself as always. Thank you, thank you. I feel them so tangibly and um we need each other. So thank you all so very much. And Dorothy, thank you as always. And um I know you and I will catch up uh before the next broadcast, but you have a wonderful weekend and um and you have a great night as well. And happy Passover. Oh that's right. Yes, thank you very much, Dorothy. I appreciate that. Happy Passover to all who uh, who observe it out there to the body. We haven't passed over from uh, death to life, that's for sure. Yes. You have a wonderful night, Dorothy, and God bless you as always. You too, David. Father bless. Good night. Father bless you. Good night, everybody. Good night, and we'll see you soon. Take care.